This is a Research in Practice podcast, supporting evidence-informed practice with children and families, young people and adults. Welcome to the Children's Information Project podcast, a series of conversations exploring how better use of children's information, data and voice can help to improve children's and families' lives. This podcast is one way that the project is sharing its thinking and learning alongside workshops, webinars, and regular meetings of our learning community. My name is Emma Smale, and I am the convener of the Children's Information Project Learning Network. The Children's Information Project is funded by the Nuffield Strategic Fund and hosted by the University of Oxford in partnership with the University of Sussex, the London School of Economics, Research in Practice, and four local authority partners. The project aims to improve the way that administrative data and information about and from children, young people and families are used in local and national government, and to do this in ways that integrate their voices. The project is a collaboration between researchers and local authorities with the aim to co-develop solutions together with a learning network of local authorities from across the country. This is the first of two introductory podcasts. We will delve into what is meant by children's information, data and voice, and consider why improving the use of information matters. We will start to explore some of the challenges with existing data in children's services, how children and families' voices are not always heard, and how engaging with diverse voices raises questions about ethics, children's rights, and democratic accountability. Today, I'm delighted to be in conversation with four colleagues from the University of Sussex who will share their perspectives and reflections. I'm gonna hand over to them to introduce themselves. I'm Elaine Sharland, and I'm a Professor of Social Work Research at the University of Sussex. And I'm what's called the co-investigator, so one of the leads of this children's information project. And the area of work that um, that I uh, am sort of leading forward is 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 our work that is around uh, voice and how we can best bring children, young people, parents and carers, and practitioners' voices into. Um, administrative information that local authorities work with and use about them, as well as how we can engage more inclusively with their voices about how their information is used. So my background is mainly child and family social work research, a lot of which has been about working collaboratively with with practice and sometimes with policymakers to try to make sure that research and practice inform each other in ways that are helpful for children and families. So that's me. I'm Dr Perpetua Kirby and I'm a lecturer in childhood and youth in the School of Education and Social Work here at Sussex. I have been working for over 25 years now in the area of children's participation, children's agency and rights and working cross-sector, so health, social care, education, really thinking about well, what is the purpose and what are the practices for engaging children in decisions that affect their lives? Um, and what, what does that look like and, and why do we do it and, and how might we do it in different contexts 
Um, and, and what are the politics of it? Um, you know, where does power lie? What are, what are the different stakeholders involved? So really trying to unpick those issues uh, and surface the tensions um, involved, uh, the different purposes, the different assumptions, so we can really explore practice and think how we might how we might engage in a way that is meaningful rather than simply tokenistic. I'm Dr. Kaylin Shaughnessy. I'm a research fellow also in the School of Education and Social Work at the University of Sussex. Uh, I'm an early career researcher on the project, uh, so I completed my PhD only two or three years ago, and I'm also part of the, the voice team, so taking a particular angle on voice within the overall project. My research background is really in education, but looking at how creative practices can be used to, to amplify and, and understand voice. I've previously done some work with, with families who are seeking support in social care and how we can use kind of creative methods and practices to make those, those voices more understood and, and more heard through that process. So first of all, I think it would be helpful to begin with explaining the purpose of the project. So Elaine, why do we need to improve children's information, data and voice? Thanks, Emma. Jolly good question. I mean, the very short answer, I suppose, is as it says in, on the tin in the in the in the title of our project that improving children's information data and voice we see as part of or as a major mechanism towards improving children and families' lives. And that means both strategically and operationally improving the services and supports and what we can provide in order to enable children and families to live lead better lives and achieve better outcomes. But it's also very much about the need to improve the way we use information to achieve those ends the way we do that, to improve how we do that in a in a rights respecting and an ethical way. So it's a question of rights. This ties in very much with the children's rights agenda, but also a real imperative to the belief, the idea that if we make better and more ethically sound use of the information we gather about with and from children and families, we can do better by them. And that's the starting premise. I mean, just to, just to elaborate a bit, we 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 know already. I mean, that one of our starting points for conceiving of this project and proposing it to the Nuffield Foundation who generously agreed to fund it in the first place was that we we know already from practice experience from research from wherever we look that kind of nationally returned children's administrative data so we're talking about the children in need centers or looked after children returns are not helpful for informing local authority decision making and planning either at strategic level let alone operationally and they may indeed give a at least a skewed picture to national government as well. The Children Need Census, for example, records um, diversion from care, and it will record the mechanism that a child that may have been used for children to be diverted from care. So let's say section 47, but it won't tell us anything about the nature of the support or services that are being provided to ensure that that diversion is a long-term diversion rather than just a delay. It simply records, here's the diversion, here's the mechanism, case is still open or case closed. Uh, another example is, you know, we record placement stability. Uh, the OCC actually records social worker stability, but nothing about relational and relationship stability and that tells us a very you know arguably very limited amount about what is really going on and significant in a in a young person's life 
Um, so what that tends to mean, is, you know, it's not just the national returns, even a lot of the administrative data, the much fuller administrative data that local authorities do collect is not sufficiently meaningful to be fit for purpose to inform decisions. There's lots of proxy data used, for example, one indicator taken to indicate something else because it's the best we can get. And often the information that's collected is used for multiple purposes that it's not necessarily fit for. So it may well be, you know, that we're trying to do too much with the administrative data that we have and reading too much into it in lieu of having any better alternatives. And of course, administrative data, the things that appear in local authority or national data sets, are they provide metrics about populations or cohorts. They don't tell us much and they're not intended to tell us much or anything about individual pathways. In contrast to that, we're also really aware that case records, a lot of material that exists embedded within management information systems in local authorities, um, those are pre predominantly you know, designed and used for practice and for operational purposes, but there is probably much richer information in those that might inform, better inform and help us develop better administrative data as well. So we're aware that there's potential there, but also real gaps in what administrative data can tell us. Previous work research also really highlights that children and families very rarely feel that their voices are expressed or recorded within the information, within the data that's collected about them, certainly the data that appears in administrative data sets. And not only do they feel their voices aren't expressed or recorded there, but they certainly feel they don't get taken into account, heard, acted upon. So one of the core elements for us of kind of, uh, you know, improving that, one of the core objective for the project is to find ways of integrating voices of children, young people and families and indeed practitioners who work with them into the content of information that is gathered and used about them, but also the processes and the systems so that we are able to have much more voice informed information and also use that information in ways that are informed by those same voices. That's really interesting. Thanks, Elaine. So the starting points for the project are administrative data is not always helpful for informing local authority decision making and proxy data is often used in the absence of better indicators. Administrative data is used for multiple purposes and importantly, children and families' voices are not expressed or recorded and they do not feel their voices are heard or acted upon. You also mentioned opportunities, perhaps from the rich information collected in case records. So how is the project working with local authority partners? Can you tell us a bit more about the work taking place in the local sites? In our project, as it happens, the focus is primarily we're working with um, four key kind of local authority sites, as we call them. The work that we're doing with them to help them to improve their information use is, is guided really by what they've been interested to improve in, in this sort of domain. And that has meant that our focus across the sites has been on improving information use and improving voice of children who are, uh, or young people leaving care, children who are in need uh, or on the edge of being um, either in need or in care. So those that are kind of 
referred, not back, re-referred, etc. Uh, and also children in their early years. Those happen to be the focuses that we have. But I just wanted to reflect back slightly on something you introduced in your introduction, Emma, that I just wanted to say a bit more about. So we're, we're not really conceiving of this as a research project that is about children's information, data and voice. What it is, is a kind of a collaborative project in which we're here working with local authorities and children's services practitioners and policymakers in order to enable them to improve the way that they use information and the way that in doing that they respond better to uh, the hear and respond better to voices. So we're kind of, I think you'll find in most of the conversation we're about to have, our role is really enabling, not prescribing. Um, we're working, we're working alongside. Brilliant. Enabling, not prescribing. We'll hold that in our thoughts. And I, I think um you use lots of different terms, as did I in the introduction. So I think things like data can mean different things to different people. And you've mentioned already administrative data and and, and where that might be at a national level, but also a local level, but also you've mentioned voice. So I think these things might mean different things. Can we think a little bit more about um, some of the confusion that arises when we think about the word data or indeed the word voice. So how does the Children's Information Project define data and how do you introduce it to people? Yeah, it's a good question. I'd say that the very good questions, all of them, and we'll try to kind of, you know, unwrap a bit here. Uh, I should say these are good questions that we as as a team working on this project have been asking ourselves a lot and um, some quite animated conversations, I think. And I think the, probably the space that we're in now, the point that we uh, have arrived at at the moment, I would say it's probably not fixed in stone, actually, because our thinking and certainly our understanding and use of the language is still, you know, will continue to evolve, particularly through the collaborative work we're doing. But having said that, if I take data first, yeah, means very different things to different people. So as researchers, if we're speaking for you know ourselves in this space, we're very comfortable of thinking about data as either quantitative or qualitative. So in research language, any recorded information, and that can be case notes, drawings, emojis, as well as you know measurable, scalable items, but any recorded data can be considered as we we would you could use that word data, and we would quite comfortably for whatever the, the material is. Um, and also we'd use the word data to describe those things, whether or not they're collected or aggregated in some sort of data set or whether they just sit somewhere recorded wherever they are. That's terminology. We could consider happily all of that as data. But we're also very aware that, you know, the word data does mean very different things to different people. And that's one of the things that we need to work with. It also may mean little or nothing to some people, and it might well not be you know, a word, a term that, for example, some of the children or young people or indeed families that we are going to be, you know, working with or alongside, it may not be a term that's meaningful to them at all. So we need to find ways of working with that. Um, and in contrast, you know, we, we, we're also working for, you know, data scientists in local authorities or strategic leads in local authorities or indeed in national government. What they mean by data is likely to be the quantitative items that are measured and counted and scaled and collated and aggregated into and digitised now into data sets for statistical analysis, 
in order to inform strategic decision making, service policy planning. In contrast, we are, and I know in some of the field work that, um, that in particular, I think Caitlin and Perpetua have done, you've really encountered frontline practitioners who are using the word data to refer to what's in written case notes, pictures or text messages that, you know, have been sent to them. Many of them will use the word data to describe those, but others will simply talk about those as information. We haven't yet spoken with children, young people and families yet. Um, there's a whole series of governance and ethics hurdles to get over before we can do that directly. But I mean, our suspicion is that um, they may well be, they won't be uniform either, but they may well be much more likely to talk about their records or their files than they might perhaps about their data. You know, we don't know yet. As I was sort of mentioning before, because our role really, as you say, it's, it's enabling, not prescribing. We're here working alongside local authorities. So, you know, we're not imposing any project definition of what data is or data are. I always need to remember data are in the plural. But we do want to see what we can learn from the different perspectives and languages and assumptions that people do make about using that word. And obviously what we are wanting to achieve through this is one way or another, optimising the ways that we can reach a, achieve a, a common purpose of improving the quality and use of children's information, whatever we call it. Um, so that's data. We're using the word information just in the most inclusive way possible here. So the goal of the project is to enable local authorities and national governments to improve the way that they use all relevant information about and from children and families. Um, whether it gets called data or not, that will include the information that is incorporated into either local or national administrative data sets, but it also includes the information that isn't necessarily currently collated at all, that sits in case records, sits elsewhere in management information system and isn't necessarily referred to as data. So information is, is just our umbrella term really for saying everything, whether or not those involved in using it or, or, or you know, or generating it choose to call it data. It's whatever it is that is maybe important to know and take into consideration about children and families whether individually or in aggregate and whether it's called data or not so you know that's our umbrella term really and then from that we can think about how voice is related to data information that's helpful so an umbrella term and and anything that feels important in in, in essence that we mm. need to know about children and families and so you mentioned voice there so Tell us a little bit more. Voice means what in the Children's Information Project? I think to put it in a nutshell, some of the information that's important to know about children and young people and families is information that comes from them and indeed from practitioners who work directly with them. Information that expresses their views, their wishes, their experiences. Primarily, that's what we're calling voice and what we're saying needs to be better listened to and better heard. But the voice also expresses the views, wishes, priorities of others who have an interest in making best use of children's information. So 
policymakers, those who decide what it's important to know, administratively to know about children and their families and their well-being, their voice is also an expression of their views about what it is that's important to know. So by voice, we mean whatever expression it is of views, priorities, wishes, experiences that um, that influence the shape that information takes and what's in there. So our starting point from that, and I think this is quite important because it took us quite a while to get here, I think, but uh, our starting point is that voice isn't something or certainly shouldn't be seen as something that is somehow separate from or distinct from children's information or children's data. It should be, it is and it should be integral to them. It's woven, it's threaded and, and needs to be threaded in meaningful ways throughout children's information. It's not the case. You know, I think we started out at one point with a, a little rubric whereby we were thinking, okay, so let's use information or data as uh, data to mean information about children and voice that's information that's from children, for example. And we moved a long way from that by saying voice is actually is already integral actually to information and data. There are voices, there are priorities expressed within that, even if it's tacit, explicit, not explicit. But what we're aiming to do is really amplify and enhance the voices of you know, children, young people, families and practitioners in within information. And that's hence the kind of the name, the title of our project, which took some arriving at as well. But I think hopefully captures that, which uses so is children's information. That's the encapsulating umbrella term, uh, you know, with followed by improving lives through better listening and better data. So the listening to voice and data are part of what is improving lives through better use of children's information. So that's just that introduction, I suppose. So I'm going to try and recap before we go into this in a little bit more depth and bring in other colleagues. So we have children's information. Some of it gets called data and some of it gets collated and used at an aggregated level. And some of it stays in management information systems and it just gets used at a case level or more individual level. Some of it expresses the voices of children, young people and families, practitioners and others, and some does not. And we are going to try and use these definitions through the rest of our conversation. But I think it is worth acknowledging that language is a tricky thing and we might slip up from time to time. So um, we're going to continue to revise and think through what do we mean by children's information and how does data and voice and those terms relate to this wider project? It's really helpful. I'd like to bring in other colleagues now, um, other guests, to dig into how voice might improve children's information and add this, this question about how it might improve children and families' lives and what we need to do to listen to voices as a core part of information collection use. So to start with, Caitlin, I wonder if you might come in here. Can you say more about whose voices are important and why is it important that we hear these voices and integrate them within the information we collect and use? So I think let's start with, with whose voices that we are interested in listening to and hearing from. So primarily it's it's those voices of those affected and directly involved in children's social care. So this is children and young people, parents, carers and families. And as Elaine said at the start, these are these are really minimally represented within those those statutory returns and in, in much of this information that makes its way into the, 
local authority data sets or the information that the government then uses to, to make the really important decisions, the policy decisions that affect um, children and young people and families' lives. We know that those voices, children, children and young people's voices and families' voices might be better represented within these case files and these um, management information systems, but that's not always systematic. And mm. also there's plenty of evidence that even when those voices are recorded within those systems, they're not always listened to. Families don't feel that their voices are listened to or heard. And and really, the more vulnerable those voices seem to be, the less likely they are listened to. So it's only those so-called sensible voices that, that get heard. And particularly as well, if those voices are, are challenging that the status quo or their experiences or the support they're getting, again, less likely to be heard. We're also aware that um, some groups within this um, group of children, young people and families may be particularly missing or, or hidden within that information. So, for example, children with disabilities or very young children or those whose first language is in English. Um, or those who are other, otherwise marginalised, that they won't be as represented within those um, information systems as others. And so we really need to find ways to develop practices and systems that attend to, to their voices as well and think about how we can create spaces and, and places where those voices can be heard. We're also really looking as well at the voices of those who are working directly with children and families. So frontline pr practitioners who interact with them on a day to day basis, those who are writing the case notes to record um, children and families experiences as information or translating and, and putting that information into those electronic record systems. We also want to know about the voices of the people who are prominent, but implicit, really, in these systems um, that they get used to kind of gather this information. So those are the voices that determine what information is collected, what information is analysed and how that information is used. So, for example, this is really about the managers and the data analysts that sometimes seem as quite separate to kind of the everyday practices of social care. But they make really crucial decisions about how information is analysed um, and how information is interpreted that gets collected from, from children and families. And then as well, that feeds through into those people in leadership and policy um, positions who make decisions about what information local authorities are required to collect and how. And then also um, how that information that is collected is then used to make strategic decisions of resource allocation and needs. I think what we've seen across the project so far, particularly in, in talking to um, managers and practitioners, is that information collection and kind of use of data and information within local authorities is not this simply neutral process that supports children's social care. So lots of different voices are embedded with and shape the systems that currently exist. And it's really interesting for us to see how these almost tacit voices at a local and national level influence and impact the everyday practices on the ground of how information is, is gathered and collected. So how those voices of practitioners, of families and of children in those day-to-day -day interactions that are so important in children's um, social care are not always heard or listened to um, and don't 
necessarily frame the basis of decisions that are made at higher levels. A simple example might be that if a practitioner is documenting a visit after seeing a family and doing some work with the family, they might have to fill in details or a report under different headings. But what those headings say and what those boxes say will, will impact what the practitioner asks the families, how they conduct the visit and then what they record afterwards. But who is deciding what those questions or what those boxes are in the electronic record? It's going to be those further up, the managers, the data analysts, the, the policymakers. So in that way, it's those tacit voices of the more senior um, managers. Kaylin, I really like what you're saying about tacit voices, which influence what and how information is gathered, recorded and analysed, and, and how important it is to consider how the systems and practical constraints of those systems, boxes and headings, as you say, shape and determine which voices we hear. It's really clear that the decisions made at a local and national level are influenced by these tacit voices. There's a lot to consider here. Perpetua, the second part of my question was about why it's important to listen to multiple voices and to integrate them within the information we collect. There are a number of issues here. And the first uh, is really the issue of a commitment to an ethical practice and one that emphasises inclusion of different people and different stakeholders uh, as something that's really core, core to the endeavour of information systems rather than some simple sort of functional add-on that might be seen as just sort of enhancing efficiency. So it's a, a sort of ethical stance and commitment primarily. And I think this is getting more attention, particularly with the advent of AI and uh, machine learning. So this issue of ethics has really come to the fore and it's one that we're really exploring in this project and thinking well what does it mean to have that ethical practice of working with people's information including but beyond uh, machine learning the i suppose the second area that's it's sort of core and and really emphasized in social care is the rights of children and young people to participate in decisions that affect them that's really embedded in the un convention of the rights of the child this is obviously core to ethical practice, that, that commitment, um, but it's also about ensuring that services and policies related to children and families' lives uh, are, are better, you know, they the better involve them in, in sort of informing those decisions about what is there to support them. So that's key, that sort of emphasis on children's rights. But beyond that, and, and perhaps an area that isn't talked about so much, is actually, well, what does it mean for a, a democratic institution, whether a local authority or national government, to engage with the voices of multiple stakeholders? And where, where is the role of democratic accountability? So you know, as democratic local authorities um, and, and national governments, there is something about engaging with multiple voices, and their commitment to citizens, both young and old. What does that mean? What does that mean for local authorities to think of it as a sort of democratic accountability and commitment? And and, and I think uh, it was Caitlin who said earlier that, you know, when you listen to diverse voices, you are going to get diverse perspectives. And so it, 
part of democracy is engaging with that diversity and the tensions and the uncertainties of what what that evokes. So, um, you know, when we think of data, it can get quite neatly packaged as though we sort of put the information in and then we get nice decisions popping out. But actually, when we're engaging with a diversity and a plurality of, of voices, it's a bit messier than that. Um, and, and what does that mean for a, a data analyst? I like that notion, Perpetua, that data is neatly packaged and that we put information in and get nice decisions popping out. But actually, it's much messier than that. And that the messy space, where there are varied and competing voices, perhaps, is of real interest for this project. Caitlin was talking about, for example, those less sensible voices who are not heard so much. So how might we enable and engage the diversity of young people with whom social care organisations work with, for example, as well as the parents, uh, you know, and families involved as well? So decisions are made by lots of people, who, some of whom have never met the children in question. Uh, some have, like social workers, but also lawyers and judges. So for young people and their families to get involved in these processes, there's a sort of assumption that we're sort of working from that actually by engaging and, make, and enabling people to feel listened and heard, they're, they're going to more likely want to engage in the processes, the process that inform decisions about their lives, rather than just thinking that people are making those decisions without their involvement. And the other is um, about the meaningfulness of information. So no, no matter how sophisticated a data system is or analytical processes, if the information that feeds that is not meaningful, then the then what comes out of that is similarly going to be questionable in its in its value for informing services that really do improve people's lives. We've heard about the aims of the project, the gaps and challenges with current administrative data in children's services. We've talked about how this project is defining data and voice and information, but also that there is space to go on defining and understanding what these terms mean. We've heard about how data is shaped and influenced by people within local authorities and that this impacts upon strategic decisions. If the voices of practitioners, of families and of children are not always heard or listened to, then decisions are not framed or informed by their interests, aspirations or needs. There is a need to enable diverse voices to feel listened to and heard so that decisions are made in partnership with all children and families. And we've reflected on making information meaningful so that our data systems can tell us about real experiences and provide a basis for doing things differently or better to improve children and families' lives. I'd like to thank Elaine, Caitlin and Perpetua for speaking with me today, for their thoughtful contributions and questions about how we can improve the use of children's information. Next time, we will look into the principles for working with children and families' voices and practical ways that you can embed voice into the information used in children's services. I hope you can join us.
Thanks for listening to this Research in Practice podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Why not share with your colleagues and let us know your thoughts on Twitter? Tweet us at ResearchIP.